The Louisville Cardinals have a chance to clinch a spot in the ACC championship game for the first time since joining the conference. We've got a very special guest on today's episode of the show. So with that being said, let's get right on in to today's show. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. He's back. 55 is back. Jeremy Wallman, editor and co-founder of the Cardinal Sports Zone, is back. Jeremy, what's up, brother? Man, I'm glad to be back. I don't know what happened. I don't know why I haven't been. It's not like I was in the hospital for four months or anything. Uh but I'm glad to be back. This is one of the highlights of my week is getting to being able to be on a show and not have to worry about producing it and writing it and everything. So this is good for me. I don't mind passing the ball. I hear that. I hear that. On today's episode, um, previewing that upcoming matchup against the Miami Hurricanes for your Louisville Cardinals. This is being recorded on a Wednesday. So we will, or I'm sorry, on a Tuesday evening, published on a Wednesday, we will actually have the um, college football playoff ranking when that drops. But first, this is the 500th episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. So pretty interesting. Yep. 500 episode. We'll talk about the Louisville's road woes this season, never having won at Coral Gables. Uh, We'll talk about the running back room continually being well-rounded. Isaac Garendo um, starting to have his big-time moments for the Cardinals program. We'll also talk about a recent Twitter poll that I made suggesting or asking, I should say, which Louisville football player of the past 10 years, excluding quarterbacks, would you add to this year's team? We'll answer that here coming up shortly. Jeremy, main one of the main storylines for me outside of – obviously conference championship game implications is how drastically different this team has been versus, you know, home versus on the road to make matters worse. The Cardinals have never won at Miami in program history. Granted, it's been sort of a small sample size. How much stock are you putting into the the road issues this year for this upcoming game? Well, for me personally, I'm not putting much because yeah, we've struggled on the road, but we've won our games on the road. We we toughed it out versus Indiana. We turned it around against Georgia Tech. I know those were considered neutral, but they weren't here. Um, NC State, we put off a gutsy win. The only one we lost uh, was at Pittsburgh, and that was like just a gosh, it was a perfect storm of whatever could injuries, weather. You name it. It was. It was like. Uh, it, it was just like a crazy situation. So, do I think we play less aggressive on the? Or is it tougher for us to win on the road? Yes, but we still end up winning on the road uh, when we're at full strength, and I believe we will be at full strength this week. So I'm. Yeah, we've only played seven times. We tied once, though. That's pretty cool. I guess. Uh, I remember when you could tie a game. But would it make you even more mad to tie a game? I feel like it would piss me off more if we tied i'll be honest with you the year we went and i believe it was our fiesta bowl year i was in middle school and i stayed the very first game of the season we played san jose state and it was like a 10 to 10 like they had a chance to whatever it was it ended up being a a tie it was like one o'clock in the morning i was angry i was like surely this year is going to be just horrible 
we tied a game and then we won like 10 in a row. So uh, it didn't, uh, or we won 10 out of the next 11. So it didn't end up being too bad after all. But yes, ties aggravated me. They probably still would. Thank goodness we've got some sort of a viable uh, playoff, or not playoff, overtime uh, decision system for deciding winners in overtime. Even though I don't like this year's rules where they change it to where it's just like they only go for two point conversions after. I liked, I liked it when they said you can't kick the extra point, but you go for two points. That's fine with me, but just going for yeah. two points takes excitement out of the game. But I understand from their point, they're trying to reduce injuries and reduce playing time. So I get it on both sides. But yeah, 06 and 1, and, and we, the only time we really had a chance down there, we went up 31 to 7 on them. And Devin Hester and company came back to win that game. Kerry Rhodes had an opportunity to seal the victory. Sorry, Kerry. I know you're going to be on our show in a couple weeks. I won't mention it on that one. Uh, I'm going to on Dalton's, though. And, um, yeah, it, he he didn't secure it. And it was the first time in modern-day uh, poll history that a team lost a game and moved up three spots in the polls. Showed how gritty we were. Just showed that we couldn't handle the environment. I don't think the environment on noon in Miami is going to be much of a problem this year. Yeah, and even if it was a night game, I mean, still, I, I think that from all accounts with, with what Miami is doing this year, I don't think it's the greatest atmosphere, no disrespect to them. But um, when you kind of break down these performances, Louisville has won all but one game this season, that one being that one that we shall not speak of at Pittsburgh, where it seemed like everything that could have went wrong ended up going wrong. I mean, obviously, it's going to be easier to play at home. You have your fan base etc when you do watch this team on the road what is you know what are the main reasons why you feel like we struggle more so on the road because we haven't really played in a tough environment i wouldn't say maybe outside of nc state so i don't really want to chalk it up to truly being an environment thing but i mean what, what what's the main thing here what am, what am i missing very good i think earlier in the year uh jack Plummer was not a you know, we talk a lot privately and publicly about how Jack has developed into a game manager. He wasn't much of one at the beginning of the year. He made silly mistakes. He, he got rattled. Uh, he was a quarterback that once he got going, uh, he's streaky both ways. If he got going good, he was good for a while. If he got going bad, it took him a while to shake that and break out of it. So I truly believe, uh, I, I mean, I can remember against NC State, us driving towards the, the we were like at the 15 and he, tried to throw it away and threw it right into NC State's uh, hands. It was like it was not even close to being thrown away. So I think it has to do with nerves. I think it had to be with him starting off the year. And uh, I, I feel way more confident with him now. Do I think he'll throw for 400 yards a game? No. But I think he'll get the job done. I think that that's pretty fair. I, I mean, honestly, you kind of go down the line. The defense has – outside of the game against Georgia Tech, they had the one bad quarter. I mean – truthfully the defense has been pretty solid on the road so it really hasn't been a defensive thing the issue is well i guess it's not really an issue because you'd rather have it this way it's hard to really test the theory of how much jack and the team as a whole has improved because you haven't had a road game since what october 14th that's literally going to be over a month since when this game will have been played 
Um, I, I do want to give a little bit more time to the second and third segments. Um, one of the main things we've been seeing over the past couple games at home has been the emergence of Isaac Garendo. He's played a key role in the past two games in different ways. But I have gone on to say multiple times, I feel like this is one of the best running back rooms in the country. I probably opt to saying that it's close to being top five, if not top five already. Uh, I do want to talk about that trio here momentarily. We're going to do that um, after we talk about our friends over at eBay Motors. Drive, passion, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with the guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easier to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jeremy, I think, you know, when we see what this team has done over the three-game home stretch, it's been obviously three pretty solid wins. But one of the main things that I have been extremely encouraged about is the emergence of Isaac Arendo and what we've seen from him with Jawar Jordan not fully healthy. It just seems like an embarrassment of riches, an extremely solid luxury to have a starting caliber running back as your second string guy that you can plug in right away and get for close to 100 yards. Absolutely. And just to let you know, we're 10th. Missouri jumped us. So, okay. Two Missouri jumped us. Uh, we won't when get your games more. and that won't matter. When your games right. and that won't matter. We'll get these last two and we'll, we'll jump them. Um, yeah, it, it like you said, this is one of the deepest running back rooms I can remember in a long time. Um, it's it's thunder, it's lightning, it's third down brute. Like you you've got the you've got lightning in Jahar in Jahar Jordan. You got thunder in in Isaac Grendo, and Isaac's a guy that just can. It's third and one. You're going to give him the ball because he's going to get the first down. And then he added a new uh, facet to his game uh, a couple weeks ago where he just uh, starts running for 75-yard touchdowns every game. So you got to love that. He's got the speed, too. And, you, you uh, like, there's just so many. Mo Turner's still there. Then you got the freshman, uh, Kay Brown. He's not got a whole lot of snaps. And then you've got you've got so many people that can step up. This is a deep running back room. And yes, terrific running back trio, as you stated. And there's players on deck. Yeah, definitely so. All right, if you see me shaking my head, it's just because of the the, the playoff ball. I'm watching it right under uh, underneath uh, 
your beautiful face there, Dalton. Oh, thank you. It is what it is, you know, uh, not to get off on a tangent, but Louisville wins their games. They went out. They're going to have a solid shot. Now, granted, they're going to have to have some stuff happen for them, but I'm not worried about Missouri when it comes down to that. But kind of going on about Garendo, do you think that his performance over the past couple of weeks, he had the three touchdowns against um, Virginia Tech, probably should have had four. Um, and then last week, a little bit of a different dynamic, but still is able to have that big clutch 73-yard touchdown run. Even with a fully Jawar Jordan healthy or a fully healthy Jawar Jordan, assuming he will get to that point at some point in the remainder of the season, does it change how the carries are split with the emergence of Garendo, or do you think it sort of stays the same in dynamic? What what I think it allows us to do is continue to rest Jordan and not miss a step. Um, mm-hmm. you, you want Jordan at full strength for Kentucky and for for Florida State and for the playoff games, I'm wishing it into existence, or just for the Orange Bowl. Uh, you want him to be healthy, so you do have a one-two punch. So you have the luxury of running Mo Turner and, and Garendo and, and getting uh, and, and Jordan is what you can run them all three and you you don't miss a beat if you limit uh, Jordan's carries, which I think that they need to they did last week. I felt like that worked. They, they need to continue, but Garendo is going to get his yards on the ground. You don't have he's going to do that against Miami. Uh, our running game and our run defense have been our strength so far this year, and I don't see any reason why that should stop against the Hurricanes. And granted, we've gone up against some pretty solid rushing defenses this year. Notre Dame was, I believe, top 15, top 10 when we played them. Same with Virginia Tech. Uh, Miami is just another in the long list of quality defenses, uh, top 10 rushing defense that the Hurricanes have. Um, How do you see the sort of split with play calling? Do you think that Louisville continually tries to establish the run even – let's say it doesn't start working early on. Do you think that they stay committed even with a less than 100% Jawar Jordan, or do you think that it's going to be one of those situations where, hey, Jack, go out there and win this damn game? Well, I, I think you, you leave it up to Jack at that point. But what I will also mention is we, we faced the top five rush defense in Duke and, and dominated. We, we faced the top five uh, rush defense in Notre Dame. We dominated. NC State was up there at the beginning of the year, but everybody is. Um, sure. None of the defenses that, that we face has been able to in, – in even though I'm accidentally wearing a – uh, Steelers shirt right now. I'm not going to mention that team that that we messed up against. However, you know we have we have pretty much done what we wanted to this year. In the back half of the season, Jack has done what he's wanted to. So I just feel confident in just leaving it in his hand, leaving it in Brom's hands, and uh, he'll make the best decisions. But I just don't see our running game not getting going. And if it don't, for some reason, our defense is going to hold them. So it'll be a good old defensive battle, and I'm I'm here for that. Louisville had around 200 rushing yards last week. Granted, it was against one of the worst rushing defenses in the ACC. 31 carries, 180 yards. Two of those carries equated for 115 of the 180 yards. Louisville didn't have the greatest night overall on the ground. I feel like, and I've said this, that Virginia sort of tried to put the blueprint out there on how to neutralize this Louisville offense to the best of the ability. Um, and what I mean by that is stacking the box 
in forcing Jack Plummer to beat you through the air. Is that sort of the vibe you got from that Virginia game? And also kind of piggybacking off of that, do you think that that sort of causes the offensive identity – or not the identity, but the play-calling tendencies to shift a little bit to sort of counteract that? Or is that just me kind of blowing hot air? Uh, well, I mean, you, you don't do that a lot. You don't blow a whole, whole lot of hot air. But here's the thing. In games where we've struggled with the rush, Jack's come out and thrown for 240, 250 yards. And that's what he did against Virginia. Uh, shout out to Virginia only because it's got Sean's nickname in the middle of that word. I digress. Um, so I feel like even when we struggle, on, that's what makes the championship ball club. You struggle in some areas, you activate, sure. uh, you power up in other areas. So Jack had to throw the ball, and and we got the W. And I, I just I, I just feel like Jeff Brom has this team ready to go. I think even though we played poorly on grass surfaces this year, I don't see that being an issue. I just think that Jack will lead us to, uh, like I said before, Jack's going to lead us to victory, and I, I I feel like that'll be the game plan. If we struggle with the run, he's just going to throw the, the ball down the field to our plethora of of great wide receivers or good wide receivers that we have. That's fair. I, I mean, it, this obviously wasn't what we were expecting from a Jeff Brom offense, but like I tell people once, I'll tell people again, great coaches adapt their schemes to the rosters in which they are presented with. So um, – I truly think that this is going to be a situation to where I'm with you. I think you consistently try to go with what has been working all season long and go at that way. Do you want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say I wasn't like raising. Mr. I, I thought you were like it was like you're going. Like, no, I was what, about what to say doing? something, but you were talking, so I, I digressed. That's my, that's me digressing. Um, I said this on our show a couple weeks ago, and I really and I took some heat for it, but I really believe it. This offense that we have at Louisville this year is the offense everybody thought we were going to have when Satterfield was hired. <laughs> but it, we didn't We didn't have yeah. it. We, we thought it was going to be yeah. balanced. We thought it was going to be a little run heavy. And this looks like exactly what I was expecting when Scott, Scott and his, his uh, army of coaches, uh, I don't know why I put that in air quotes, uh, came came to campus. I, this is what I thought, and that wasn't a knock on on Brom. It's just like I expected us to throw for 400 yards a game and maybe have a 100 yard rusher every once in a while, and that's just not happened. And uh, and I'm okay yeah. with it. I, defense went for me. I love watching the defense shut out people. I love watching them. Uh, Dalton, you, me, and you, we did a show earlier in the season where you made the point. Well, we don't have a whole lot. The numbers weren't there. There weren't a whole lot of sacks and interceptions or stuff like that to my to my credit i was like no but the the tackles for loss the cuts the clutch stops the pass breakups like the defense wasn't flash and, and it's a little bit more flashier number wise now but it wasn't then and that's because the defense has played lights out as far as i'm concerned there's not been whereas last year we could probably mention four or five times a game where we're getting burnt like toast this this year, it's been like once every couple games. So everything's improving. Sure. With the additions to the roster via recruiting, via portal, uh, whatever, however you want to transfer, whatever, however you want to put it, we have set a solid foundation to have a great team uh, built for next season, especially with our, as high as we're probably going to end up being ranked next year. 
we won't have to fight half the season to get into the top 25. We'll start out in it. I would I would definitely agree with that. I put out a tweet out there today, and I, I didn't know if it was going to have a lot of traction, or uh, Tuesday, I should say. And it definitely had a lot of traction. I wanted to – I thought it was a great opportunity to talk about that because a lot of people got involved on it. The question, which Louisville player of the past decade, excluding quarterbacks – would you put on this year's team? We're going to discuss that here momentarily after we talk about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, FanDuel Look. Listeners, if you all have been tuning into Cardinal Sports Zone, tuning into Locked on Global, first of all, keep doing that for sure, definitely. Second of all, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets on FanDuel when you place a winning $5 money line bet. Nobody else is putting anything out there like that. $150 back if your team wins. The app is literally so easy to use. Don't take or don't wait to take advantage of all the options that they have. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. You don't want to miss it, so be sure to stay tuned and take advantage of it. Like I said, final segment of the show with Cardinal Sports Zone co-founder and editor Jeremy Wallman, 55. I asked a question on Twitter. You had your answer. You're going to get a chance to um, justify that in your opinion here shortly. Reminder, the question, if you had the opportunity to put one past Louisville football player of the past decade from the 2013 season on, excluding quarterbacks, which I know that's hard to see on Twitter, right as it says it in the tweet, excluding quarterbacks. So no Lamar Jackson, no Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, it is what it is. Read the tweet. Who would you put on this year's team? Well, since you said the last decade, which was also pretty difficult to figure out for some. I've been great. Okay, I guess we're going decades with an S. That excludes me. So that, that I'm, I appreciate you putting the decade caveat on there because that would have been a layup for me. Uh, I went with my guy, Gerard Holloman, because for me, uh, with, especially with injuries, our, the one side of the, the the secondary has been kind of, um, I won't say weak because it's been good, but it's not had the star power it should have had all sure. season. So I put Gerard. Gerard tweeted back, absolutely. Um, so I feel like I made a great pick, but you can't go wrong with some of the other answers. I'll let you go ahead and read some of them out. Yeah. I mean, they're your most obvious answers. A lot of people went with um, Devonte Parker on offense. There's a lot of love for Jair Alexander. Um, some votes for Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson. Like I literally said, there could not be um, Chris Redman as well, which it breaks two of the rules on the list. So I guess it's like a double jeopardy. It works to his advantage. Um, there's a Mackay Becton, there's a Tutu Atwell response, a Des Fitzpatrick response, Sheldon Rankins, Calvin Pryor, Gerard Holloman. For me, I'm going to go Jair Alexander, and it's not necessarily a true need for this team. I think this is more of an indication of how locked down Jair was. I think that if you have Jair on one side and then you allow Quincy Riley to play in the slot while having Storm Duck and uh, Jarvis Brownlee as rotational players, I think that that strengthens the defense so much more to where you legitimately probably have one of the top three defenses in the country. Not to mention you have an electric punt returner who was fantastic for this program on special teams. And this is no slight to Kevin Coleman, but Jair Alexander is the best punt returner that this team has had you know, in quite some time. So that just goes to show you, I think that you have a lockdown corner 
uh, special teams, great player as well. For me, that would have been who I would have gone with. Why? Uh, let's go to the offensive side. If you had to go with somebody on the offensive side, not named Devontae Parker, who would it have been? And don't okay. you pick a quarterback either. Okay. Well, you can, can read. I, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, yeah I can read. Um, even though I'm going to break one of your rules, I'm going to add Gerard Jair and Calvin on defense. And then okay, nobody's going to do anything. Uh, offensively, no um, gosh, you can't add a running back because there's not really um, – Not a lot okay. of opportunity to add there. I mean, if you wanted to just go all out and throw like a um, like a – Brandon Radcliffe, Sonoris Perry. Well, no, Sonoris was the year before. He wouldn't be eligible. Yeah, for I was going to say Brandon, but Brandon would would uh, there there be some, who who wouldn't play at that point? Jordan or Garendo? You, you never know. Um, exactly. I'm going to go. I'll go Makai. I hate to cop out like that, but I'll go like. I don't think it's tight, a cop out of me. That's. Tight end, we've not really had anybody dominant in a long since the days of Gary Barnage and Pete Nocta. Shout out to our recruiting guy, Pete Nocta. Um, that was not me. Yeah, it was. Anyway, Marshawn, uh, I mean, you, there was some love for Marshawn, Marshawn Ford. I will say there were some people Ford, going for Marshawn Ford. That would be a good one as well. But no, I, I would go. I would somebody who could protect. Even though I mean, Jack's been protected this year. I, I'm I'm gonna yeah. punt. I'm gonna punt on this one and say Makai. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Um, for me, this is sort of like simply, I mean, you don't, there's not really a true need on the offensive side. I truly don't think um, the, the protection has been pretty solid. Willie Tyler and um, Eric Miller have been pretty solid. I'm going to throw in a guy like Tutu in this offense. I think, you know, if it makes too much sense with what Brom does with receivers, if you have a Jamari Thrash as well. You know, it, it gives you that Dez 2-2 dynamic, and it puts it in an offense that actually values that skill set. And I can only think of the amount of ways that you can get a gadget-type receiver like a 2-2 Atwell home run-type player in this offense. I, I think that it unlocks an enormous amount of potential. Offensively, it's a little bit more of an interesting situation because it's all based upon need. Defensively, you can go, uh, I'll take Lorenzo Malden, Sheldon Rankins, um, Preston, Preston Brown, Brown. I mean, you could go all over the place. Burgess, this one. Uh, James over. Burgess. I, I know somebody. I just said Burgess. I know somebody. Lamar Jackson. Oh, not not quarterbacks. I'm sorry. I, I forgot. There's the some Yasir Abdullah and Yaya Diaby love as well. Yeah. I think that, that that gives you some. Personally, for me, I feel like one that you could go to that not a lot of people are really talking about a lot, and he was a fantastic player. I, I'd like to see James Sample. In this defense, yeah, that would be a good one. That would make Johnny Unitas. That would be a solid one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that'd be good. Um, that only breaks about all of the rules of of the. But Moses, oh well. Moses, Moses would be great in this offense. He could part ever. He could part the 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 defense. Offensive like the line wouldn't even need to create holes. It's just boom. Parting of the the red cardinal C as you will, but I can't believe it's episode number 500. Glad to have my guy, Jeremy Wallman, back on. I'm looking to have him on a, a lot more coming up. Trying to make it, I actually will be in attendance for the final um, Collision Course crew podcast, um, whatever it's called. I forget the, the collision fill me course in on the actual name of it. 
Collision Course Tailgate. I will be in attendance for that on Saturday or next Saturday, I should say, which is great because I haven't had a lot of opportunities to make those this year at all. Um, but I will be there for that. Um, so I'll be able to reunite with the gang. But that's going to wrap up this, what is it, a Wednesday episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Go Cards.